Welcome to Benefits, What Like It's Hard? The podcast that breaks down the truths and misconceptions about all things benefits. Not only do we talk about what you should know about the benefits offered to you through your employer, but we also tackle topics on physical and financial wellness. I mean, come on, what more could you want from a podcast? Join me, Libby Allison, each week to hear from people just like you sharing their own experiences and experts giving us the inside scoop on the information we need to be successful. Hi, everyone. Today, we have a very special episode because Amanda Hall is back, and actually, we have her mom on the podcast, and we are going to be talking about mental health, um, especially with the holidays coming up and with COVID and, you know, all of the things that are going on right now. We wanted to talk about mental health. So, hi, Amanda. How's it going? Hey, Libby. It's great. Always a pleasure to be on the podcast. I feel like a celebrity every time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love having you on. It's always so much fun. Super fun today with my mom joining us. Um, We came up with the idea for this podcast a couple weeks ago because I personally was complaining about how COVID shutdowns have been really stressful and how it's going to just be really difficult this winter with you know, not having our regular family gatherings and all this stuff. And we kind of thought like, well, if we're having this problem, our listeners probably are too. And it'd be great to have someone who specialized in mental health come on and talk to us about this. And then I was like, well, it just so happens that specialist is my mom. (laughs) So (laughs) we have um, Sharon Simmons joining us today from Sun Behavioral Health. And I'm going to let her kind of introduce herself and her uh, credentials because I don't know all the letters that go after her name. <laughs> M-O-M. Yeah, just M-O-M. M-O-M, yeah, that's the most important one. I appreciate you guys having me today. I'm really excited to be able to share some things on the podcast and to get to talk to the two of you about it. I am the Director of Clinical Services at SUN in Erlanger, Kentucky, and uh, SUN, the acronym stands for Serving Unmet Needs. So um, we are trying to take care of people with with mental health issues and with substance abuse issues. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a PhD in social work. Um, So those are all the letters that you get for today. (laughs) Very impressive. Um, And (laughs) MOM. All yes. of that. <laughs> and <MLM. laughs> yes. So we thought it'd be kind of fun since you're my mom if I was the one who asked you all these really important questions. And the first one we kind of thought about was it'd be interesting to, to hear your take on what trends there have been in mental health now that COVID has been around so long. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of what your feedback on that. So definitely, I think we've seen um, more people with more needs since COVID started. And anecdotally, uh, patients tell me that all the time, um, that they're really struggling even more so than they were before if they've had previous difficulties with depression or anxiety. Also, substance abuse. We do have a, a, a detox and a rehab unit here at the hospital, and I've talked to folks that have told me that they were in recovery for 15, 16 years or 
in some cases not that long, um, but still they had been on a successful, successful path to recovery. And then the initial shutdown with COVID and the stay-at-home orders, people were not able to maintain their sobriety. And so uh, they relapsed and ended up having to come back to the hospital. So mm. we've seen a lot of that. There are also statistics that support that people uh, in general are struggling with mental health issues related to COVID. The American Psychological Association did a, a 2020 survey on stress in America, and the report indicated that eight in 10 adults uh, or 78% say that the coronavirus pandemic it has been a significant source of stress in their lives. So that's a lot of people. I mean, 78% yeah. of us, you know, saying, you know, this is causing us stress. And unfortunately, it's having the most profound effect on our young people. So our Gen Z teenagers and adults, uh, that's our young generation born between 1997 and 2012, are having significant difficulties and report the highest rates of anxiety and depression related to the coronavirus. And I think most of that has to do with the fact that you know, for teenagers and young adults, their social life means so much to them. It's so important to them. Yeah. Um, they get a lot of benefit from the interaction with other pe- with the other young people. And so, you know, we've had schools shut down, um, both middle schools, high schools, and universities. And so we've limited their interaction with others and created social isolation for people. So there's a lot of loneliness that's being reported and a lot of depression uh, related to that. That's really interesting. I I mean, I know, like, even our age, you know, I'm in my early 30s and, you know, we've got a toddler and, you know, we're kind of getting to the height of our working careers and things like that. And, you know, I thought it was hard for us. And, you know, I've had coworkers that have kids that are in, like, high school and, or middle school even that are, you know, doing the remote learning and stuff. And I know that's been really challenging for the parents, but I didn't really think about how much it would be affecting those young kids. Cause gosh, high school for me was a blast, you know, soccer practice and cross country and, you know, seeing my friends every day and hanging out at lunch and all that stuff. And just, just now thinking about like, if I didn't have any of that stuff, that would have been so hard at that age. I, I would say that, a lot of our listeners are are probably more in the working, you know, they're work, working right now, they're in their careers, but I bet a lot of them, you know, might have kids that are in school and are, are dealing with some of the stress. So I, my question is maybe, do you have any advice for the parents of those kids and something that they could maybe do to help their kids through this stuff right now? Sure. Um, So I think one of the most important things that we can stress to young people is that this is temporary. Scientists, researchers are working on a vaccine and and working on medications that can treat the illness. So I, I think that one of the things that helps people be happy is when they're future oriented. So when they've got something to look forward to in the future. 
And that's one of the things that we assess for when, when we're doing assessments is do people have something they're looking forward to in life? And so when we can see past a negative event or a challenging time to envision a future that's brighter, I think that can help. So I think parents, as much as they can, to decrease the isolation and which in whatever way that they can, um, if that's through social media, encouraging kids to um, Zoom with their friends and maintain contact, it seems more like the real thing, even though it might not be, and to continue to be social and have those interactions as much as possible without putting ourselves at risk and to remind them that it's temporary. For young people, that's really difficult because they tend to live in the moment more. So I think that is why it's impacting them more than it is adults who have the ability to sort of delay things and, and understand that, you know, difficult times can be sort of weighted out. It's a more difficult concept for young people, but just to continue to encourage them and remind them that that this will be over soon and that things will return to the, to the way that they were. Try to give them little things to look forward to. Sometimes that takes a lot of creativity. That's good advice. Well, so one other thing that we kind of were thinking of, so, so obviously COVID's really impacted people's stress levels and anxiety and all it's stirring up all these you know negative emotions but it's kind of um fairly well known i think i don't know i was a psychology major and i got my bachelor's degree in psychology so to me this seems common sense but you know that winter affects people's mental health differently than other times of the year so can you kind of talk us through why that is because i think um Understanding why winter affects our, our mental health differently can help us come up with coping mechanisms. So I think what you're referring to is, is something that we call winter affective disorder. And some people are more prone to it than others. Some scientists believe that um, it has to do with vitamin D and that we get less of it in the wintertime. Some people use lights in their homes to stimulate that vitamin D and to provide that for themselves to kind of treat the winter affective disorder. Some people use medications to treat that, but it is a type of depression that some people experience. And there are things that you can do with supplements and medications and artificial lights. Also, I think one of the things that is important is, is to get outside, even if it's cold outside. So the fact that it's cold outside doesn't mean that we can't go outside. It just means that we have to be better prepared for it. And I, I think Mandy was oh talking gosh. about an article that you read. Yes. I have, so I have to bring this up because I've gotten into National Geographic. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're my mom. So that's just like normal for me. <laughs> <laughs> I would not do that to any other professional. Sorry. Um, but yes, I, and I, I looked up how to say this word like a hundred times so that I can pronounce it correctly, but I'm going to pull up the article really quick because I thought that this was so relatable to what we're talking about on this podcast. So, um, and I read this 
in National Geographic, and it is this Norwegian concept of freeloose live. It's spelled differently than it sounds like I'm saying because it's Norwegian, but it's it's considered open air living. It's a natural part of the Norwegian's holidays and spare time. Um, and it's something that's deeply ingrained in their country's heritage. But it's all about embracing the outdoors, like even in the winter when it's chilly, you know, in the chillier temperatures. And it's about taking time to connect with nature, to breathe in fresh air, and just appreciate the simplicity of the outdoors. And most people in Norway will find a way to embrace the outdoors, like come hail, rain, or shine. So after this article, I thought that was really interesting. So I kind of did a little bit of a deep dive into this concept and how it originated. And I looked at the history of this. So this is me nerding out on like some nature stuff. But so the term was coined in the 1850s by the Norwegian playwright and poet Heinrich Ibsen, who described how spending time outdoors could improve spiritual and mental well-being. How relatable right. is that? Right? Yeah. It's not about spending money. It's like it can be super simple. It's a walk with your family outside, you know, a fishing trip or camping or hiking or something like that. But the thing that I thought was really interesting um, from the video interviews that I watched about it, they were interviewing just regular people in Nor Norway. And this one man said, there's a very common Norwegian saying, which is, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. So I thought that was really cool. And we're going to try to embrace that idea this year. I think our biggest challenge will be that our toddler is currently on a coat strike and only wants to wear these little like <laughs> light zip up hoodies. So I think if I can get him past that and into some real like real winter gear, I think we have a chance. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Yeah, definitely. Tangent over. But check no, it out. National Geographic. No, I remember you telling me about that, and that's what I was referring to, because I think that the, that's the best thing that people can do in the wintertime. It doesn't mean you can't go outside. It means you, you just have to be a little bit differently prepared to spend time outside. And um, there, there's an entire discipline called forest bathing that is um, forest therapy that, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of research to support that people being outdoors and out in nature is very mentally healthy for them. So I think we have to embrace that. And, and if, if there are some silver linings and some positives about this pandemic, I think one of them is that people are embracing that. You know, the sporting goods stores, the, you know, REI and outdoors and different places like that, they've seen a surge in people buying like outdoor equipment and outdoor furniture. And so, you know, people are trying to be safer with connecting with others by being outdoors and doing it and you know a lot more people are out on the trails and taking walks mm -hmm. and hikes and things like that so I think if there are positives which I which I believe there are a few that people spending more time outdoors is one of those another thing that I've seen a positive is that people have better awareness and understanding about mental illness and mental health and the role that it plays in our lives. I think because more people are experiencing difficulties, they have a greater ability to empathize. You know, it's something we've been working on in mental health for a long time is decreasing the stigma 
around mental health issues. And, and this maybe actually has helped us move forward in that direction a little bit because people have a greater understanding. They're, they're more likely to, you know, understand others who are experiencing difficulties. Another way that I think that this has been a positive or maybe a silver lining, if you will, to this pandemic is that our service delivery and mental health has changed. And the way that I'm talking to you ladies right now is the way that we're able to connect with some of our patients. And there were a lot of restrictions from licensing boards prior to the pandemic that didn't allow for certain types of service for folks, but now we're able to take care of everybody because they've lifted some of those restrictions. And I'm told that most of the licensing boards are considering making those changes more permanent. So that if you're a person that can't leave your home, even after the pandemic is over for one reason or another, or you don't have reliable transportation and those kinds of things, you can still meet with a counselor and a psychiatrist and have your needs met through a remote platform. And the Board of Social Work in Kentucky is talking about doing a tri-state compact with Indiana and Ohio. So even if you live in Ohio, but you want to see me and my license is in Kentucky, that, that you'll be allowed to do that maybe even after the pandemic. So I think we've, you know, we've been forced to embrace technology and to move forward in a creative endeavor to, to provide services for folks. Um, we've been doing virtual assessments here and providing virtual groups and treatment and services through our outpatient teams. And that's something we weren't doing before. So, uh, you know, if there are some silver linings, I think in the workplace, employers are finding out that people can be productive from home. And so I think that there are a lot of workplaces that are going to change the way they do things. You know, we're, we're structuring our work environment differently so that people can be safer. Scientists, researchers believe things like this could happen again. So yeah. uh, we'll be more better prepared when it does, when it does, you know. So I think those are some positives that, you know, that we can say, you know, some lessons learned, some things that have come out of this situation. Yeah, that's good to hear. It's kind of nice to hear that feedback and how how all this crappy stuff has made at least some positive impacts in, in some way. And it's funny that you brought that up because, you know, I've even noticed in my social media feed, like um, advertisements through like Instagram and stuff like that for um, being able to contact a therapist via text and have um, that therapist kind of on call essentially and that resource kind of like right there at your fingertips whenever you need it. And that's something that I never saw before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's great that the stigma is kind of going away a little bit and that the access to mental health care is, is increasing. The, the last question we really wanted to ask you, what resources should someone tap into if they want to or need to seek help? And how do you choose the right resource for your individual situation? That's a very good question. So it depends on the person's need. If a person is in an acute crisis and if they're thinking about hurting themselves or 
they're having some suicidal ideation or thinking about hurting someone else and having some homicidal ideation, then they need to come to an acute psychiatric hospital like ours. And we do have, as I mentioned, um, virtual assessments available. So um, someone could go on Sun's website and talk to, chat with the virtual assistant on the website and set up an appointment for an assessment. And then if they need to be admitted into the hospital after the level of care assessment, then our team would work with them to have that happen. And there are other acute psychiatric facilities in the area as well. Now, if a person is just experiencing a lot of anxiety, some depression, maybe not to the level that they're in crisis or need to come into the hospital, but need services, there are a variety of outpatient providers all over the tri-state area. And uh, there are some resources linked up on our webpage. Some uh, other websites that are helpful, the National Institute of Mental Health and the NIMH website and the um, American Psychological Association website, which is the APA. Also, we have chapters. I'm, I'm a board member for NAMI Northern Kentucky, and there are chapters all over in Ohio and uh, Indiana as well. Resources can be found for outpatient services and even self-help type information on all of those websites, and those are um, national organizations. Great. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast with me. This was fun. I agree. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I do. I would like to especially thank you for the positive spin. I always like to, at the end, you know, we've done some podcasts, podcasts around COVID-19 and around, you know, some really tough topics. And I always appreciate the positive spin at the end, because I think a big thing that we need right now is just hope that we're going to get through this. And I'd like to point back to a podcast that we've done this year on resiliency. Um, it's a great podcast, but I think if we talk about some of the positives that you brought up specifically, I think the overarching message that I heard was that people in general are resilient. And I think um, we've really shown that during this. We're finding new ways to get outside and do things. We're finding ways to keep busy and keep connected. And we were somewhat prepared for this. Like, we really were with all of the technology that's out there right now. We were somewhat prepared. I don't know that mentally we were prepared, but physically we were prepared. So I think just recognizing that there are positives that are going to come out of this and keep thinking about the future and that this really is not the end. This is not the end of, you know, ever seeing anyone again. That's not <laughs> going to happen. Just recognizing yeah. <laughs> that is huge. And that's mm -hmm. what keeps, that's personally what keeps me going. So I really appreciate the positive spin and the insights on some of the trends happening and then the resources. Because I think that that's the biggest thing. If you're struggling, ask for help. Because you, can't, yeah, you yeah. just can't do it on your own. Thank you. So, yeah, thank you guys so much. This was fun. Um, for our listeners, we are talking about doing some more, um, I should say bringing some more moms and dads on the podcast because <laughs> we think that this is so fun. So tune in in 2021 when we hopefully roll out 
our series with some more Haran parents. See you next time. Nothing we say in this podcast is representative of any specific plan and should not be construed as legal, regulatory, or accounting advice. If there is any discrepancy between what we say and your plan document, your plan document will always